eight months after that, he actually showed up at my doorstep on Christmas Eve, which was crazy. Wow. Um, Did he bring the presents at least? That's all I want to know. He brought tears. Oh, well. That, well and, th- and lies. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing today out there? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 60 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do. Awesome, Blossom. How you doing, baby doll? I'm doing good. I am once again far, far away from you. I know. I look over here and I'm like, where? Wait a second. It's just me in this room. Where's Christine at? Well, Christine, how many miles away are you today? Well, based off of my odometer reading, because I did reset it before I got on the road, because you always nagged me about it, 328 miles away. 328 miles away from here. That is a long, my microphone cord doesn't quite stretch that far. But I know. Um, we tried to do that, you know, big long wheel. And Christine had it outside of her car just dangling the wire as she drove along the freeway. <laughs> but no. I know. And then it just kind of ran out like a mile away. Right, Chris? Like 10 feet away. <laughs> but no, Christine and I are doing this podcast virtually. I see her on the little camera over there. And we're doing the audio via always by Clean Feed. Cleanfeed.net. Thank you. Clean feed uh, for all of your broadcasting, podcasting needs for the cleanest, clearest audio in the world with no extra workarounds. Use clean feed. It's You're amazing. You're such a clean feed nerd. I know. huh? I tell every guest mm-hmm. who come on here, I tell them all about it. They're like, what's this clean feed about? They've used other things. And I'm like, well, let me tell you. It's very easy to use. You just um, send your guest the link. They click on it. They pull up into the clean feed studio. And the, and I, on this end, we actually save all the audio. So it, they all don't right. have to- Okay, You're a clean feed groupie. You you nerd out on this. You're so funny. I know. I just saying how easy it is to use and how the, clean the audio is. I know. Is. This I sounds know. great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. I know. <laughs> so what what has been going on this week, babe? In your world, you've been up in uh, Fresno or sorry, Kingsburg area for the last what uh, five days, four days? No, this is day number. Three. You, I want to start with you because I have lots to tell, but it'll take a couple of minutes. So I want to ask you first, how have you been doing and what have you been up to this week? Well, this week at work, it's been very, very busy. I've had my hands full and, um, you know, I mean, it's been, I've been missing you first off coming home Aww. and you're not there. I know huh? it's, it's weird because you're not there. And, and I wake up in the mornings and I'm trying to mow, the, uh, not mow. I'm sorry. I'm trying to water the, water new, the lawn, <laughs> water the lawn every day. Trying to remember to do that. Hey, by the way, I fed Paisley yesterday. I gave her fresh lettuce and I gave her fresh water and she's so excited to see me and all walking around like, Hey, fruit. I know you're her favorite. Animals are good reads of character. Oh, they are. Well, yeah. okay. Well, I hope so. So, yeah, so she likes you the best. I mean, it's crazy when I call her name and she's like, "Huh? What?" And she slowly wakes up and slowly starts moving over. She's a turtle after all, so. I know, but when I talk to her, she'll like stay asleep, and the minute she hears your voice, 
she'll like poke out her little head. She'll come towards the glass and she'll like nod her head at you when you ask her like, it's crazy. You ask her yes and no questions and then she'll nod her head like, yes. I'm like, she seriously understands what you're saying. She's the smartest turtle in the world. I don't know about all that. You're You're giving a lot of praise. So I do because, you know, she's the smartest turtle in the world. Okay. Well, other than that fun stuff, me missing you and you being gone, when are you coming back, by the way? Because like, you need to be over here like, right now. Hurry up. Uh, I'll be home tomorrow for the kickoff of birthday week for you. That's right. I forgot all about that. Here I'm talking about everything else, but I just remembered. Today, I am officially on vacation. Yes, Vac- you are. Vacation, Chris, is in the house. Today being Saturday, first day of vacation, and I'm loving it. I'm just... Vacation city mode. I love it so much. And I'm not going anywhere. This week, we're actually doing a staycation because I got stuff to do around the house. You know, after all the construction crew came through here, I got to put stuff back, clean the garage. I got to clean the house. I got there's stuff to do around here. So it's good. It's so funny. You got to clean the house. I keep the house clean, you turkey. Well, you do, but I have to organize a few things here and there. Just a few little things. You know? All right, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to get in the way of you house cleaning. What woman, drink, like what woman would be crazy to say like, oh honey, I don't want you to clean the house. Clean the house. Whatever you want to do, organize it, clean it, be Mister Clean. Get in your little white T-shirt, mop the floors by hand. Okay, now you're getting cute. I, I, okay, I would, okay, okay. Time out. I would that. Love that. Okay, okay. Maybe I'm maybe. envisioning it right now. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll just sit and watch some Netflix. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Netflix and ice cream, and that could be my vacation too. I mean, everything sounds great, you know. So that's what's going on this week. I am going to be on officially on vacation, so don't bother me. But if you want to bother me with a present. Please go right ahead. You can email Chris and Podcast at gmail.com. Chris is taking that's K's. Chris and Christine with K's. He's taking all kinds of gifts. We would welcome them. <laughs> Birthday cards, uh, you know, um, gift cards for whatever, you know, Amazon gift cards probably is the best thing to Large do. Large sums of cash. Cash is good too. <laughs> you know, that works too. The Benjamins, you know, I'm I'm collect- I'm actually I, I'm actually starting my um, Benjamins uh, collection. So if you guys want to help donate to that, that'd be great. Because <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> That's right, baby. So what's been going on in your world, Christine? Oh, well, thank you for asking, Chris. Well, I have been up here uh, since Wednesday night. I drove up after work and it's been a busy couple of days. I worked remotely. But I came up to spend the weekend with Ezekiel. But of course, whenever I come up to the Central Valley, I try to pack in all of my errands and things I need to take care of. And so I've been taking care of a lot of stuff for the wedding. Really? Our wedding? Um, Our wedding. So like what? Getting your dress fitted? You get that thing figured out? Yeah. Got the, I did my final fitting with my dress and I picked it up yesterday. And um, then my sisters and my mom had planned a bachelorette night for me as a surprise. And I mean, no I knew that they were doing way. something. Yeah, I knew they were doing something because I got like a, my sister had asked if I would be home and if I could be home early enough to go out on Friday night. But it was so beautiful. I cried several times. Oh, that's amazing. Well, tell your sisters uh, thanks for putting that on for you. Yeah, my sisters and my mom, and they put in a lot of effort into it. And so, um, you know, I'm not big into partying and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And that's what, like, I guess a typical bachelorette party would be. And with COVID, it's not like, well, you know, everything's been closed with COVID. And so 
they tried to think of an outside of the box idea around what they wanted to do for the bachelorette party. So they booked um, a table, a big table at this place called the AR Workshop, I think is what it's called in Fresno. I guess it's like a, a interesting. Chain. Interesting. It's a workshop? Yeah. It's yeah. So they like pulled up and they're like, do you know where we are? And I had no clue. We were in this cute area of Fresno and um, it was like this little door and it said like DIY parties and we walk inside and it's all set up for crafting. And what my mom and sisters had done, there was eight of us that were there. One of my very good friends, my pastor, and then six of myself and five family members and uh, female family members. And what they had done is um, you know those cute wood signs that you can get that have like the fancy writing, like Bible verses and things like that? Oh, right. They're already pre-made. You just buy them at like the gift shops usually. They have one at the beach uh, shop over here. They have a bunch of surf and beach-related phrases on the on them, like those ones, right? Right, with the really pretty handwriting and that kind of stuff. Well, this workshop, they have a laser printer, um, and it's like a plastic that they cut the stencil out of, and then on different products, whether it's like a sign or um, like a planter box or um, like things for your kitchen, like a, a charcuterie board, like the cutting boards, they have different phrases and stuff. And so my sisters and my mom had already picked out the phrases they wanted on everything. And every person that was at my bachelorette night made a different item for us with my new last name and our wedding date. Oh, that is fan. Fantastic. Now, where are we going to put that in the house, babe? Well, there's all kinds of places. Like in our room, there's some spots and um, in our bathroom and like in the dining room area. And it's a lot of like decor, cuties, cutesy kind of stuff. But uh, it was so sweet because instead of everybody buying a gift and bringing it, they all handmade gifts for you and I. And then they wrote messages on the back and signed them for us. No way. That's awesome. So if we ever took them down, we look in the back, we can say, oh, yeah, that so-and-so got that for us. That's exactly. so sweet. I love that. That is amazing. That's awesome. So when, are you, bring, when are you bringing those down here? I'll bring them home with me uh well, when this publishes, it'll be on Sunday. So I'll bring it home today, I guess, tomorrow uh, when we're recording. You know, it's, it's funny. Saturday. It's funny you always think that. You always think like when this publishes or or whatever, but you got to think about it. People don't always listen on the day that it comes out. So they may listen five months from now. Right. So, so you have to really just say whatever, you know, when we when right. I come home, you know. Yeah, when I come home. Um, and then after we did this really nice get together, which they took wine and cheese and fruits and veggies and cookies, some of my favorite cookies, and we snacked on that while we crafted. Um, and it took a long time because, you know, you're hand making everything. But we drove back to my sister's house, which is right next door to my parents. And my brother-in-law had grilled amazing chicken and they had this whole food spread and a beautiful table set up by candlelight. And... They prayed for me. They prayed for us and our upcoming wedding and our marriage and over our kids. And we sat down and had a really yummy dinner. But I think that one of my favorite points of the night was as we were crafting around the table, my my pastor, who really has walked through like my separation and then my divorce and then, you know, my dating after divorce um, leading up to you, was sitting with me and I was reflecting with her on um, how when I came out of my past marriage, how I was so wounded and like broken and how 
you know, I I just had really low self-worth and self-esteem and how it took having her and her husband and my family speaking life into me to really help me heal after that relationship. And and so it was really nice to be able to thank her for that. Oh, that's great that she was there to actually support you. And I'm sorry about everything you had to go through. I mean, you thank know, you. it, and, it and is I rough. Also, sorry, go yeah, ahead. That's okay. I also remembered, and I was telling her about, you know, I was dating a, a guy right shortly after my divorce and I just felt like I was getting jerked around and I, um, I didn't know if like what I was experiencing was what like love should be and just felt like I was getting the runaround and, uh, he was playing games with me and mind games. And I remembered, and I was telling my pastor, this pastor Lori, that I remembered her and my pastor, pastor Pete sitting down with me and having a heart to heart with me, a very loving one but like helping me look in the mirror about the relationship and like what it really was. And after that, I had to make the difficult decision to end that relationship about a week later. And, you know, I think that that relates to what we're going to be talking about this week is about toxic relationships and, and how hard it can be sometimes to get out, right? Absolutely. And we will have our very special VIP guest, toxic relationship expert, on with us right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Once every harvest moon, a talk show comes along that is so groundbreaking, raising the bar to such heights that other podcasts step back and say, wow, that show's got it figured out. With a host tempered in focus, commitment, and sheer will, this is The Derek Duvall Show. Pop culture, news, and interviews with fascinating people that channel the great Edward R. Murrow and Walter Cronkite. The Derek Duvall Show. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show and find his new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. The Derek Duvall Show. The best thing to happen to hump days since the Geico Camel. What what? Welcome back, everybody. And today, our very special VIP guest happens to be another podcaster and an author. Her podcast is titled Let's Get Wicked Deep Dating, a dating and relationship podcast, and her book is called Signs in the Rearview Mirror. Please welcome to the show, Kelly Smith. Oh, thank you so much for welcoming me like that. That was amazing. Thank you. We're so happy to have you on the show, Kelly. What area of the world are you joining us from today? I live in Austin, Texas. Originally, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, but I'm in uh, Austin right now. Boston? I could not tell. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? My Wicked Deep podcast or my accent? <laughs> uh, say coffee. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because coffee is New York. We just say coffee like regular people. What? <laughs> but could you say park the car? I do say park the car, yes. yes I love it. <laughs> there you go. That's fantastic. So you went from Boston to Austin. Yes. Is that because you like the inns at the end of the name of the, of the town? Is that why you chose Austin? No, actually, I moved here maybe 16, 17 years ago with my now ex-husband to build a company. And we ended up just staying because now my kids 
think they're from Texas. It's kind of insane and oh, insulting. Do they drop the howdies and how you doing? And what is it? The howdy and the y'all. Uh, yeah, y'all. I've heard them say, I don't know why, but they'll say fixin to. And I'm, oh. I'm just like, no, oh, I, get I, out of here with that crap. <laughs> put, use fixin in a sentence. How would you use it? I've heard it um, when I very first moved here. Someone said so and so is fixing to turn twenty seven, and I was like, well, <laughs> "Is she building something? Is she making something? Like, what does that even mean? Like, fixing?" Then they were like, "Oh, that means getting ready to." I'm like, why not just say getting ready to? It's like I'm fixing to go to the market, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Small exactly. town girl here. I get it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And then they say y'all, and it's like. They'll say y'all for one person or 15, so you don't know who they're even addressing. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Like, okay. So, so Austin, it's a pretty liberal city, I think, isn't it? Yes. But the state is not. The state is not. And I'm realizing that Austin may not be as liberal as I thought it was at first. But yeah, the state is definitely – oh, no, definitely not. Now, we had another podcaster on the show just a couple of weeks ago from Austin, and we were talking about the Bat Bridge. Is that someplace you visited? I've never visited the bats. What? Yes, I have never done it. One of these days, I'm going to have to go and be a tourist in this little town here because I've never done that before. I've heard about it before, but I've never done it. Oh, my gosh. It's mm-hmm. the creepiest thing on the face of the planet. No thanks it's for sounds- me, by the way. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it sounds super creepy. Like, we're just going to sit here and this bat's going to come and get us? What? What is wrong with these southerners? I just don't know. That's but so they funny. love it. Yeah, it's crazy. They love it. And so you lived in Boston for the first majority of your life. Is that correct? Yep. 23 years. And what area of Boston did you live in? So I was north of the city, closer to New Hampshire. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's so much easier to say you're from Boston versus like the town you live in. Oh, where is that? Oh, it's here. Next thing you know, it's 25 minutes later. And it's like, I'm from Boston. And people are like, (laughs) okay, thanks. So it's much easier to say that. So are you a Pats fan? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel old Tommy Brady leaving? I don't even know who that is anymore, but I know we are on to Cam Newton, and we are very happy to be here with him. We are okay. on to bigger and better. Okay, yep. okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. Did, you. did you burn your jersey, your Tom Brady jersey? I actually never owned one because I okay. knew at some point he would be a sellout, and I was right. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Like, the Chargers here left town, and I remember that day very vividly because right in front of Chargers Park, in front of their business office, there was a big, like, jersey-burning uh, event in the parking lot. <laughs> That's insane. That's so crazy. My um my kids have a few of those um Tom Brady jerseys, which we now refer to as toilet paper. Um, but they've, they've never burned anything like that. Um, I would kill them because those ex- those jerseys are expensive. Oh, I know, I know <laughs> they are. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I got really to is. I got to visit Boston for the first time last year. I think it was around this time. I was. Uh, in an academy at Harvard for a couple of days, but I decided one night to go and try and tour Boston by myself and it ended up raining. But I went to this restaurant and I think it's pretty historic. I think, is it called Ye Old Oyster Bar or something? Could be. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool town. I just had so much fun visiting it and definitely an area I'd like to go back to. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely fun. I think it's great to visit. They do have the best aquarium. I don't know if you've ever been to the uh, New England Aquarium, but it's amazing. It's it's awesome. I love going back. When I go back, I'll go and do some touristy things, but I don't know that I would ever actually live there again. Why Why would you say that? You know, um, the weather is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's just not really something I'm super interested in doing. My son actually just, we just dropped him off 
at school. He's going to college now in Rhode Island. So he's super psyched to be there. My middle son decided he may be moving to the Cape, Cape Cod. Um, so for whatever reason, everyone's kind of migrating back there, but I'm like, you guys enjoy that crazy winter. My son called and he's like, it's officially winter here. I'm like, why? He goes, it's 70 degrees. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. oh boy, you are in so much trouble. So the weather is something I'm not super thrilled about living in Austin. It's, it's nice. It's sunny. It's, you don't have to shovel snow or any of that stuff. So I think I'm good here. Do you guys ever get snow in Austin? Probably not, huh? Once or twice we've had snow. Little oh. tiny bit of snow. Right. The kind that melts immediately. The more, stuff that will melt. My youngest was super little and he was outside. It snowed. He ran inside to show me the snow on his coat. And when he came in, it was melted and he was so confused. <laughs> so. Yeah, we have snow here in San Diego, but uh, only like the local mountains. Um, might be like a couple times a year. And people mm-hmm. will like load up their truck beds with it and bring it down to like down here to the, to the valley. And almost melted by the time they get home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) Well, we are really excited to learn more about you and your background. And so we know that you live in Austin. And what is it that you do full time for a living right now? So right now I am an author. I just finished my second book and it should be out probably early 2021. So I'm really excited about this one coming out. As you mentioned before, my first one, Signs in the Review Mirror, Leaving a Toxic Relationship Behind was the first book that I wrote. And that one is about getting out of a toxic, how you, how you even get into a toxic relationship, how you get out of it. The second book is healing from the toxic relationship and then dating again after the toxic relationship and what that actually looks like. Because when you are in something toxic and abusive and you try to like get into something healthy, it has to be just the biggest like mind trick of your life because it's more complex than anyone would ever think. So the second book is basically a footprint for healing and then dating again after something so toxic. And so I do the writing and then I also am a um, relationship dating coach. Wow, that's incredible. Now you mentioned toxic relationships. How did that become your area of inspiration? When I survived my toxic relationship. So more like life experience? Life experience. And it was interesting because it wasn't until I started writing my first book that I realized exactly where and like why I felt like being in a toxic relationship was okay. And the one thing I also learned was when I was married, I was married for 20 years. I was the toxic, abusive person in my marriage. Oh, wow. I did not realize how abusive and toxic I was to my ex-husband until I was in my toxic relationship. And then I started saying to myself, this is so familiar. And I'm like, this is the male version of me. Oh, wow. So it was, it was like a, an awakening of sorts. And then when I started writing everything from when I was younger with my mom being toxic to why I was toxic with my ex-husband and then why and how I stayed in something for so long when I was being abused. So it was definitely like, I'm going to have to, I want to help other people to recognize what this is and help them to get away and stay away from these things. Do you find that that most of relationships are somewhat toxic to a degree? You know, it's, it's interesting because I've seen, a lot of relationships that are very healthy, but it's also what the what people in relationships show us. I think the 
most unhealthy thing we see as a society is the stuff they show us on TV and in the movies. So when we're talking about toxic relationships with, say, men who are the victims and they don't realize they're victims, it's because we watch TV shows like The King of Queens. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's extremely toxic. She's extremely abusive to him. So she will have no problems insulting him, calling him names, physically hitting him. The audience will laugh. But if the roles were reversed, Kevin James would never work again in Hollywood. Right. So it's society is teaching men that women are supposed to hit you. They're supposed to put you down. They're supposed to call you names. And you're supposed to just suck it up. And you are not allowed to defend yourself because once you defend yourself, then you are now the abuser. Did you ever watch any of those classic Lifetime movies where it was always like the man was like the bad guy and the woman was abused or something. You ever seen those? Yes. Those are just like, I always thought like, hey, moral story, guy's bad. But yes. they had a few, they had a few of them, they twisted them around where the woman was bad. Remember those? Mm-hmm. They had a couple like that. But I remember watching those. My mom used to love watching that channel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, it seems like, like, I know from my own personal experience, when I was growing up, my mom was extremely abusive to my dad. And I, knew how I felt about it because it hurt my heart so much to see my dad hurting with the stuff that she would say to him and the things she would do to him. But then it's interesting how like I grew up and did the same stuff to my ex-husband. So, you know, and then my sister grew up in the same house where she was never like that. So it was, it's interesting how we pick pieces from when we're growing up and what we are brought up with and take them along with us in our adult life. Yeah, that's super interesting that you would bring that up. And Chris and I have been talking about, you know, getting ready to bring you onto the show. And one of the things that we were talking about in preparation is that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And Mm -hmm. as we've moved into this time frame of COVID and sheltering in place, how we've heard so many couples that are struggling with tensions at home and um, abusive patterns are starting to escalate. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we really wanted to dig into is like, what are some of those warning signs that you might be in a toxic relationship and need to like dig a little bit deeper to figure out what's going on? Well, the one thing I want to say with um, with your point about um, with COVID is as soon as this virus hit, the first thing I did was I thought of my toxic relationship. And I thought to myself, wow, if I was stuck in the house with him, I don't know that I would have survived. Right. There are so many women and men and children out there who are in these relationships who have nowhere to go and they don't know what to do. Because when these people leave the house, that's when they have their freedom. And when they're stuck in there, it's it's such a hard thing. So for anyone out there who's listening and they need to talk about this or they want to, I'm I'm open for that. You reach out to me. I'm I'm someone you can, you know, have like a safe person with. Um, some of the signs. So there are some signs that you can look out for when you're when you're just dating. And I think the big thing is teaching our kids, our boys and our girls, not just the girls, like what toxic signs look like. It's the control. You know, the, on on a first date, it's um, somebody who's telling you how much they trust you. It's so easy to talk to you. I've never met anyone I can talk to so easily about anything. My ex was terrible. I felt like I couldn't tell her anything, but you are so different. That's a huge red flag. Why, why do you say that? Why, it's just, is he BSing you? Is that what it is? Like, like, uh... It is. It's one of those things where it's they're trying to make you feel like 
you're just, you know, up on a pedestal and there's no one else like you. So it's, it's a way for someone to kind of bring you in closer to them sooner. And the thing that we need to learn with relationships and dating is to take our time and to really get to know someone before we even commit. Right now we live in a society where it's like, oh, I'm in a relationship. So it's like a badge of honor. You know, I'm not going to be single for <laughs> Valentine's Day. You know, look oh, at what I Oh, yeah. Have. Well, you know, I knew you a know? guy, I knew a guy a long time ago. This is what he used to do. He used to always make sure he was single from, I think it was November to March because he avoided <laughs> yeah. all the holidays and the Valentine's Day. And yeah. That, you know. yeah. It's, it's super interesting. So like the toxic people will definitely uh, love bomb you. They will shower you with, all kinds of compliments and a lot of times gifts. When I entered into my toxic relationship, I started seeing him in November and in December, he gave me this ridiculous diamond necklace. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh. And for me, I was like, oh, this feels great. This is amazing. Oh, wow. He really cares about me. He really, you know, likes me. Um, come to find out years later, he was going to give that exact same necklace to the girl he was cheating on me with. Oh, wow. You know, he stole it from me and gave it to her. And then what? Yeah. And then her first gift from him was this diamond necklace, you know, and it's like, what the heck? So it's definitely, um, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. You should read the book. The whole story is in there, <laughs> but it's, wow. it's definitely interesting how, how they do that. So control or, you know, um, why are you friends with this person on social media? Why did you like that person's picture? Do you not like this person's picture? You know, those sorts of things. So control, jealousy, questioning, where are you going? Who are you going with? Why are you going like that? What are you wearing? Things where you should be able to be a happy, healthy human, put on whatever you're comfortable with and go out with your friends and not have to call someone. And I get it. If you're married, if you've been together for a long time, Hey, this is where I'm going. I think that's perfectly normal. But if you've started dating someone three weeks ago and they're already asking you, well, where are you going? Oh, yeah, no, that's literally none of your business. This isn't for me. Right. At, at what point? See, me personally, I do a little slower in getting into relationships. I take my time. Christine will t- mm-hmm. tell you this, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's just my comfortability level, I think, when it comes to relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm, you know, toxic or whatever, <laughs> you know, but that, that's how I do it. Yeah, I think taking your time to really get to know someone is definitely the way to go because you just don't know. So some of the things before you get into a relationship, seeing how someone is when they're drinking is huge. Could you imagine jumping into a relationship and the next thing you know, they're intoxicated and they're either super flirty with somebody else or all of a sudden you see them flirting with men, you know, or like what is even going on? You know, you just don't know. So seeing someone while they're drinking, hanging out with somebody around their friends, that's a huge a huge tell seeing somebody around their family and yep. oh, yeah. you know, their, their mom. Also a big thing to see is to see what gets someone upset and how they treat you when they are upset. Right. So if someone's mad at you and it's like, you know, Oh, I'm super hungry and they're mad at you. And they're like, well, too bad. It's not my problem. They just shut you down. Oh, that might not be something, you know, because you can still be mad at someone and angry at someone and still care about them and love them, which is what you should be able to do. Right. Now, I don't know if you've listened. I know you've listened to some of our shows, but I don't Mm -hmm. know how far back you've gone. But both Chris and I, in our previous marriages, were in, well, I would, I'm not going to speak for you, Chris. My marriage was um, toxic, but I didn't recognize it. And so Mm. like some of those warning signs that you're talking about, I remember, um, 
we were only dating for like three months and we went on a trip um, with a bunch of church friends. But I like right before it, it was like New Year's or something. I'd fallen asleep while watching his football team in the bowl game. And he was so furious at me. He would not speak to me for four days and gave me the silent treatment. So we were on this trip and he was freezing me out. And my friends saw this and they pulled me aside and said, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but you don't understand. Like, you know, I did this and I fell asleep and it was a really big deal. And I was like trying to figure out how to make up for it. And like, what could I do to make him happy again? And Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that. And I think part of that was because I was young and very inexperienced. I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think that I'm going to blame society for some of this stuff again, that when we think of the word love, we think of love as the glue. I love him. So I'm going to do whatever it is I can. Um, no, I trust him. So I'm going to do whatever it is I can. Mm -hmm. He's honest with me. So I'm going to do whatever it is I can for this. You know, it's, we tend to rely on love to be the, the savior. And then when it all falls apart, we get mad at love. Love did this to me. You You know, love is the cherry on top. Love is the sprinkles on the ice cream and the whipped cream. And it's, oh, love is so amazing. But it's the the foundation of the relationships. It doesn't, a relationship isn't built off of love. A relationship is built off of honesty and trust, reliability, growth, you know, all these things. And then when all of these things come together, then love forms. And a big thing is like, we don't think about becoming friends with our partners, we have to be friends with our partners, you know, and and when we're friends, we can build all these amazing things on top. And then yeah, love is just the roof, you know, love is just all the best. So when something falls apart, it's never love's fault. It's, you know, we either weren't paying attention to things or we didn't really know what was going on, you know, and we tend to make excuses for the people that we want to be with. And I did the same thing. I just recently did a show where I talked to one of my friends who talked about watching my demise in my toxic relationship. And it was interesting to get her perspective because she's never told me a lot of this stuff that I heard. And after that show was over, I yelled at her and I was like, what What the heck? Why didn't you tell me this? You know, like, so it was definitely interesting, but it's, I think we, sometimes it's how our parents are when we're younger, we kind of base how we're going to be off of our parents and the relationships around us. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, all the relationships around me, none of them were healthy. I can't even think of a healthy relationship that it could have based anything off of. My sister has great relationship. I don't know how she did it, but <laughs> she did, you know, she's been married for a long time. They're great together, but yeah, it's um making excuses for people. It's tough. And a lot of times we say, well, I'm doing it because I love him. Right. Yeah, I remember this very clear moment. It was multiple years into our marriage. We got divorced after 11 years, but it had to do with domestic violence and infidelity. But I remember about a year before that, I was at a family gathering with my family. And my sister said to me, like, why are you being so mean to him? And it was like the first time I like stopped in my tracks. And I was like, but she doesn't realize what he's doing to me at home. Mm-hmm. And so people started to notice that like I was changing because of the relationship and yet I still stuck with it. And so um, before we hop into a little article that we wanted to talk to you about, how do people get out of a toxic relationship? You know what? That's a great question. 
people ask me this question all the time. And my biggest advice to someone who wants to get out is, believe it or not, make it their idea. Really? So, like, like you twist it around like, like almost like yes. uh, a, a good salesman would do, you know? Yeah, you make it their idea where if you decide this is I don't want to do this anymore – stop doing the things that they like that you do. Now, of course, a lot of these toxic relationships are violent and they get abusive. And in that case, it's a little bit different, but still make it their idea. Because if you are dealing with someone who is toxic, and personally, I don't use the word like a narcissist because I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose anybody with that. So I say toxic. So if you're dealing with a toxic person, they don't like rejection. They don't like to be told no. They don't like to be wrong. They don't like these things. So if you approach a toxic person and say, this isn't for me anymore, they're not going to just let you go. Right. So you have to make it their idea. If it's their idea, oh, it's the greatest idea ever. This is a great idea. This is my <laughs> idea. I'm doing this. This is my idea. I've read a couple different books where women were in toxic relationships and they made it the guy's idea, but these girls were nuts because they set up another girl to take their place. I do not recommend that. <laughs> do, not, do not do that. But make it their idea. Either stop taking their calls. If you don't live with them or if you're not married to them, it's a lot easier. But if you are, make it their idea to say, you know what? This really isn't what I want anymore. Put on the big song and dance of, oh, no, please don't go. And then, you know, let them go. Wow. I guess that'll work, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty hard, though, because I know that mm -hmm. in a lot of these relationships, there's an element of codependency, too. Oh, yeah. So there is. There really, really is. So I know with me, um, it was really hard because I was suffering from codependency. And in the book, I read about my codependency and how it was. And so for me, what I did was when I was in this relationship, I started already, I acknowledged that I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in. And I was like, how do I, how do I get out of this? I had to help myself. So I joined a recovery program. And when I joined the recovery program, I learned a lot about myself, I started to heal myself. And then when it finally came down to ending this relationship, I was strong enough to say, no more, this is it. I'm done. So, and it wasn't, obviously you can't just like get up and like walk away. There's a lot of recovery after, but to be strong enough to get up and, and shut that door down, um, what gave me that was healing my codependency, which took a while to do. But when I was able to do it, I was then strong enough to say, you know what, this is not for me anymore. And then when he would call or he would try to email, it was shut down. And then it was eight months after that, he actually showed up at my doorstep on Christmas Eve, which was crazy. Wow. Um, Did he bring a presence at least? That's all I want to know. He brought tears. Oh, well, that, well, and, and lies. Well, <laughs> were they packaged well? That's all I'm saying. Was the, was the packaging nice on them? <laughs> <laughs> they were not packaged well. Um, but yeah, so I think healing, like going into a recovery program, I'm talking to a therapist or even, you know, a life coach or someone that you can talk to to help you with that strength to say, okay, you know, get stronger and set healing. Even if you're still in that relationship, you can still begin to put your pieces back together a little tiny bit at a time. And then it, then you will get strong enough to say, hey, I can do this. And even if it's like one millimeter, one millimeter is worth of strength to say no and just like shut it down and then take that tiny step forward, that will help a ton. And then from there, continue to recover, continue to heal from it. So when they do come back, because as we all know, they always come back, you're able to say, no, this is not for me. 
Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed as I walked through this and I've seen some of my close friends walk through situations like this is there's this mentality of this is the best that I'm going to get or this is all that I'm worthy of. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. there's this hesitation to let go of a relationship, even if it is toxic, because there's a perception that it's better than being single. It really is. It's so interesting because in in my book, I'm sorry that I keep referencing it, but yeah. I did talk about like this abuse is better than being alone. So, and it's literally not true. And again, it's society, it's Valentine's Day, it's, you know, couples weekends and couples dinners and all these things where it's like, if you're not with somebody, then you're not lovable. And it's that fear of like walking into a restaurant by yourself, sitting at a table and eating dinner that keeps us in something unhealthy that we don't want to be with. Because even if we are being abused, at least I have someone to go to dinner with. So after my toxic relationship, I decided to do things on my own. I stayed single for five years and I healed. Good job for you. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. So I healed. I recovered. I took myself to my favorite restaurant. I went by myself, the movies. I went to Europe. I did all these different things I want to do by myself so I could be, okay, I'm on my own. So now that I've met someone, I can still be completely independent, be my own person, my own self, and be in a healthy relationship. I totally can relate to that because I remember shortly after my breakup with my now ex-husband that people would like balk at the idea that I loved to go to dinner by myself and I loved to go and sit at the movies by myself or take a long drive and go sit at the beach and journal, Mm -hmm. sometimes cry or just like go sit by a creek and then like travel. Um, I'd go on trips by myself or I'd take my son. And I really do think that it was being able to get to that point of being completely satisfied with being alone that really brought Mm -hmm. me to Chris because I took the time I invested in therapy, um, a lot of mental health support to help me heal. Mm -hmm. But I think that had I entered into, because I did have like one boyfriend and it was, it was toxic. It was not a healthy relationship. Your relationship right after your husband was toxic? I would say so. I mean, it was, it was manipulative to a certain extent. Kelly, do you find that a pattern where someone leaves one toxic relationship, just falls right into another? Yep. Every single time. So, and that's why we hear, let's just say women, for example, say, I, all men are the same. No girl, you haven't healed. You know, that's the difference is when you hear someone say, oh, all men are the same. I keep attracting the same guy. It's like, okay, well, what's the common denominator? Well, the common denominator is you. So it's very, very common to see that because, you know, we're so conditioned to go from one relationship to the other and it's without any lag time in, in the in like in between because we don't want to be perceived as single. But it's it is the best thing because this is another thing too that people don't really understand that when you're married, your spouse isn't always going to be able to go with you to do things. He or she's they're going to have their own life. So if he has to go and work late, and there's an event you want to go to, are you not going to go to that event because he's working? No. Go to the event and being single and embracing your singleness and doing things on your own is going to get you to a place where you can say, okay, you're working late. I'm still going to go and I'm going to have fun. And you are able to go and have fun even though you are in a relationship or you're married. You are still a whole person on your own. I had gone to a restaurant one day by myself and they were like, oh, how many? And I'm like, one. Like, okay, do you want um, sit at the bar? No, I don't want to sit at the top. <laughs> I want a table. I am a whole person all by myself, you know? Right. So it's like 
the thing is like, oh, the single people are at the bar, but if you're in a couple, you get to sit at a table. With a what? view. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the heck is that? So it's getting to know who you are and not enough people embrace their singleness. They they don't figure out who they are. They don't know really who they are. And for me, I've been, now that I'm, I'm an empty nesta, I've been in something with somebody for a little bit now and I am not ready to move in, to move in with him. I am still enjoying living alone. You know, I don't want him to go anywhere. I want to be with him. You know, I think he's literally like the best thing that's ever happened to me. And he's so amazing. But yeah, he's like the best. He really is. So, and I'm super happy to have met him, but I am not ready to take that next step. And if I jump the gun and do that with him, it won't end well. Right. Well, you know, I, for me personally, I have been single a lot of my life. I've been married, mm-hmm. but I've been single. I've been living alone. So I know what it's like to be by yourself. It's your place, just mm-hmm. you, nobody else to worry about. And I mean, I, and there's days when Christine was gone that I really enjoyed. No offense, babe. No, but no, I, re- no, but no, I really no, enjoyed taken. being in this house, just me, because for many years, just, it was just me. Yeah. And I think that people, don't realize that it's okay to do that. Like, for mm-hmm. example, I went to um, his house yesterday. Well, he called me and he's like, you can come over. And then he's so funny. He's like, you're not staying the night. That's like the he relationship. T- he told that you that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's fine because I don't want to stay the night. And it's good because it's that open kind of communication where he's not afraid to say, I need time by myself tonight. You know, and and that's an okay thing. And I wasn't even insulted. I was like, and I literally was like, that's fine because I did not plan on staying the night. <laughs> so, but you know what you were saying before, Christine, was I, in order to heal and like get the guy that I was able to attract, I had to, you know, heal and become the person that I am today. Because the person who I was after my toxic relationship or while I was recovering never, ever would have been able to attract and hang on to a man of his caliber ever. Right. So you have to like, in a way, be who you want to attract so you can attract that person. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about my relationship with Chris is that like he respects the fact that I still need my independence. Like he Mm -hmm. works nights. So three, four nights a week, I have the evenings to do whatever it is that I want. And then our weekends are time that we've dedicated to ourselves and our family but I also tell him, like, I, I want to travel still. He's not much of a – he doesn't like to yeah, travel so much. I'm more like a homebody, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I, I told it. him, you know, in this relationship, I, that's what fulfills me. So I need you to be understanding that I desire to travel. And so, like I said, I take my son and or I go by myself somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important that we spread that message more to people is that that is a healthy balance in a relationship. It doesn't mean you don't want to be around the other person. It's that you also respect your own well-being. Yes. It's so funny that you bring that up because this guy um, wanted to go on a trip by himself. And I remember telling one of my friends and they're like, oh, wait, you're not invited. And I'm like, no, he wants to go by himself. Oh, there's something up with that. He's meeting someone. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, no, he's not doing those things. It's okay that somebody wants to go somewhere alone. Like just because you are in a relationship, like you don't say, I'm in a relationship now, make an appointment at the surgeon and be surgically sewn together. (laughs) Right. Happens, you know, it's like, no, he's an independent whole person. And the thing is like when you meet someone, accepting them for who they are, 
and embracing who they are. Also trying to understand who they are is huge, but trying to change someone is only going to backfire. So had I said to him, no, you're meeting someone else there, or you're going because you just specifically don't want to be with me and this and that, he'd be like, um, what? You know, like it's totally okay for people to be whole humans without their partner or whatever all the time. So it is very healthy to do things on your own without your partner, which doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you're not going to think of them. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means they want to do something for themselves and that's okay. That's awesome. So you said that you help with dating and dating coaching. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about like right now with this whole pandemic? How are people supposed to date? How, what, how do you even do that? Oh, the dating right now is, um, from what I understand, Bumble, and I don't know if the other ones did, but I think they did. They put on their app like a video dating. So you can date over like on the video on the app. And I think right. about it, I've seen a lot of people doing a, the um, like the Zoom dates, which I think is fun. I have one client and I'm like, just try this so I can like, so you can tell me how it is. Cause it seems like it would be such a cool kind of like fun thing because you literally could have like, eight dates in one day and never change your outfit once. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So it's like, just get on there and talk. Like what's, what's the hum, you know? And if it works out, then you can meet at like a different time. But I think it's such a cool thing. I've seen so many amazing stories of people sending someone pizza and they're eating the pizza together over like, you know, Aww. a Zoom date. Yeah. Like really cool, fun things like that. And I just think it's it's an interesting way to meet people. I mean, it's you know not always foolproof, of course, but right. I thought that was such a creative, like, fun way to do it. So I don't obviously not on Bumble, but I follow them and kind of see like what's going on to keep up with like the latest trends and what different people are doing. But I think that it's it's kind of a fun, exciting thing to do because you know how it is when you're dating. Like, if you're dating more than one person, you have to like. On this day, you have this, and that day, you have to save on the drive time. And then, what are you going to wear? And da, da, da. But this way, you're wearing the same thing. You don't even have to wear pants. You know, you can talk <laughs> yeah. to people, you know, different, fun, creative things you can do. I think it's it's such a cool, fun thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Chris, what do you think about that video date? I do, but the problem is, is that I think eventually people are going to need that physical connection they're gonna need that physical hug and kiss that you're not gonna get through a computer screen and i think at some point um i don't know what what, what, how that's gonna work out it may may work out great for i I see this more for like a long distance thing but Mm -hmm. if you're like in the same city like come on just meet up you know hey COVID. i think yeah now that like some of the stuff like the social distancing has been a little bit more relaxed you can meet up at the park or whatever and you can kind of you know Um, and meet up that way. I think it's fun because this is actually going to force us to get to actually know somebody versus- Wow, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like versus like the lust and okay, we did this and now is he going to call me? Is he not? But now it's like we have to actually communicate. We have to use our skills. You know, We have to keep someone interested- with, you know, our words and what we're saying versus like our short skirts and, you know, muscle t-shirts. Cause those things now they don't really matter as much because it's over the video. So now it's like taking your time to really get to know someone and build that relationship before you, you know, go on a first date and then you take them home. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, did I just make a huge decision, a bad decision? You know, <laughs> right. so yep. now it's a little bit, it's a little, takes, it's forced us to slow down a little bit and really get to know the other person and get to know ourselves. 
That's fantastic. As Chris would like to say, that's his word. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So um, before we close out, we, well, not we, Chris found a fantastic article and we're going to just pull a couple of tidbits from it. And the article was called 24 Signs You're in a Toxic Relationship and Need to Let Go. And we just want to get your perspective on a couple of these. So, Chris, do you want to throw one out and see what Kelly thinks? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to throw some ones here randomly here. Like, here's one. It says, it says they're controlling and excessively jealous. Mm, yeah, that's no fun. Yeah, that is like the controlling and the jealousy pot. That's that's insane. I think every relationship has like a a little bit of jealousy, right? So. That is a little bit normal, like, oh, did that person just look at you or whatever? It's, you know, harmless. But the jealousy where it's insane, where it's like, why are you looking at that person or why are you talking to that person? When I was in my toxic relationship, for an example, I was not allowed to make eye contact or speak to the opposite sex. What? What if it was part of your job? Yeah. Well, that's funny you should say that because when I was with him, I was a personal trainer who was not allowed to train men. Not allowed? Yeah. It was like, and every time if I did it, it would be like, oh, you're doing this and you're doing that. It's this, oh my goodness. So it's, so that's the kind of like jealousy. That's the kind of control that we're talking about when we talk about like, you know, toxic relationships where it's like, did you just look at that guy? We had gone to McDonald's one day and there was a child on the other side taking an order. And I made a comment about how they put the calories next to the food and the the kid laughed. I'll tell you what, when I got in that car after that conversation, He was so mad that I talked to this kid. It it was ridiculous. So, and it happens slowly and over time where it's like you get yelled at for things like that. So when you're around them, you stop doing it to the point where I now at the end of that relationship wasn't making eye contact with a server because I was afraid of the reaction that I was going to get. So that's the kind of control. That's the kind of jealousy where it slowly kind of gets to. Oh, thank you for that perspective. So the next one that we wanted to ask you about is uh, your partner is always offering, quote unquote, constructive criticism, even when you don't ask. Oh, man, that's always fun, huh? Right? That's always a, a fun sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a um, that is one that de- it's so funny because when you say these things, it, it automatically all the stuff that comes up in my head is the stuff that happened with me. So it, it, I wore T-shirts a tissue t-shirt. I'm sure you know what that is, like a kind of see-through t-shirt. And I cannot even tell you the kind of names I was called for that. You know, Mm. are you going to wear that out there? Um, The insults, or I guess the criticism as we're calling it, um, it's just terrible. It's stuff like that perfume you're wearing or, you know, the outfit you're wearing, where are you going to go dressed like that? You're trying to meet someone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The criticism is not fun. And it's not even with the way you look. It's the stuff that you do or how you act or you know, your intelligence level that will, they'll kind of like try to like beat you down a little bit. And, you know, like I remember like for me, when I first started, he had a picture of me and he showed it to someone and he called me and he said, people say that I'm not normally with a woman like you. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. He says, Usually I'm with beautiful women. Oh, oh man. No. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and he's like, but don't worry. I told him that you had a really great personality. So that's their way of oh like, my God. yeah. And like, that's their way of like knocking you down a pedestal, you know, oh. here and there when literally I wasn't, it wasn't my personality. I was fitness modeling. I was in magazines, you know, I was, and still am an attractive person. So it's like, and then I said, it. then over time you start to believe it. So that's when like the criticism gets tough. Cause you do start to believe it after a while. Do you feel like he almost felt like, like, 
you're taking a step up being with me. Like I'm, I'm the one on the pedestal. You, you're lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I wish there was more that I, I, I could talk to you guys about. But yeah, like literally, like yeah, like at one point I was like, wow, I'm kind of throwing you a bone here, buddy. Um, but then it, you know, turned into like, I'm one day I called my ex husband and I was like, do you think I'm like stupid? And he's like, what? I'm like intelligent wise, and he's like, no, because this guy had convinced me. That, you know, I was just not as intelligent as I could be. So it's those little tiny digs that they give with like the t-shirt that you're wearing or the way you put a seatbelt on or the way you make eye contact with somebody or how intelligent you are. You know, those sort of things where those little critiques start to just chip away at you and then you start to believe it because they're slow and it's over time. So it's not all in one day. So it just kind of, it, it, yeah, it drives you down. Does it kind of make you feel very um, insecure? Yes, because by the time you know it, which is why we stay in something so long, because by the time we know it, we're like, well, no one else is going to love me. This guy, I'm with this guy already. If I let this person go, who's going to love me? Who's going to want to be with somebody who doesn't know how to dress, who flirts with men all the time, you know, who right. does all these things, which is stuff that you're not doing. Yeah. One of the things that stood out from this list, from this article that Chris pulled up is that your significant other is super competitive with you. And that was in my past relationship. We were in the same line of work, but I was the one getting promotions. And so I would get comments like, well, you only got that job because you're Mexican and they're trying to fill a quota or you're only he getting... He would say that? Yeah, he would say that. Or you're only getting this opportunity because of my last name and my parents' reputation. And so it definitely does. Like when you have somebody that is insecure in that way or toxic mm -hmm. in that way, it really erodes your self-esteem. And it took years for me to build self-efficacy again, to feel confident in my ability to do my job. It, it does. It takes such a long time. And I hear people all the time who say, you know, like, how come you didn't see it? Like, why didn't you get out of it? And the analogy I use, which maybe you've heard before is the frog in, in the boiling water where you put a frog right. in water and slowly over time, the water gets warmer and by the time you know it's boiling. So if you put someone straight into a toxic relationship, like straight away, you're this, you're that, and they start you know, hitting you, you're not going to stay. But if it happens slowly over time and you don't realize it's happening, then you stay because you think, well, am I doing something wrong? I can love him back to the way he was before. Maybe it is me and you're second guessing yourself. Right. Well, we appreciate all of the advice and guidance that you've given. And so to our listeners, we'd encourage you to listen to Kelly's podcast, Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast, and find her book, Signs in the Rearview Mirror. And Kelly, where can our listeners find you outside of those two areas? So I'm on um, Twitter. At, I think it's Kelly S underscore author. I'm on Instagram at Be Brave Coaching. BeBraveCoaching.org is my website. And then on Facebook, I am Kelly Smith Author. Awesome. And so listeners, if you are thinking that you might be in a toxic relationship or are looking for guidance for healing after getting out of a toxic relationship, we'd encourage you to reach out to Kelly Smith. Uh, if you are in an unsafe situation that's involving domestic violence, we would strongly encourage you to call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline and get immediate help because there are ways to get help and there is life after this relationship. And so any last words for you, Kelly? I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. It was it was fun. It was amazing. And anybody who's in something abusive and toxic, it's so true. You can find 
health and happiness after something. I know for myself, I was able to do that because I was able to heal. I did find somebody that is amazing. And not only is he amazing, but my life in itself, even without him, is amazing on my own. So, And I would be more than happy to talk to anybody who has any questions or anything like that about it. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. I'm Brucker. I'm Levi. And together, we co-host a movie podcast called Film on the Rocks. On our movie podcast, we like to have fun with movies, and we don't like to break down movies beat by beat, scene by scene. We like to talk about what was fun about them. So we talk about our favorite scenes, uh, sprinkle in some trivia, uh, we debate whether or not they deserve a sequel, and we also talk about um, some drinking rules that they can have, such as drink every time Vince Vaughn stuffs his face in Wedding Crashers. Or something we call the Yoda Clause, which is every time Frank Oz jumps on a screen, finish your drink. You can find us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or really anywhere you can find podcasts, if this sounds interesting to you. Yes, and we also love listener interaction, and we also like to take movie requests, so you could reach out to us on Twitter at Film on the Rocks, Instagram, Film on the Rocks Podcast, or email us at fotrpodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from y'all. Give us a listen. Well, that was such an enlightening interview, right, Chris? Oh, she was amazing. I love her. She was great. She really was. And I think especially during October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, that she helped to bring awareness to things that might be happening that maybe they aren't like domestic violence yet, but they're those red flag things that you should oh, definitely. be aware yeah. of. Definitely. Red flags. I mean, you always hear people say, and girls especially say, well, he did this on the first date, red flag, red flag. And you're like, they almost say like a joke. Like, like I've been told that too, like the joking thing. My exes, we yeah. used to say that like, like you did what? Red flag, red flag, red alert, red <laughs> alert, you know, eject, eject. Let's get out of here. You know, kind of a joking thing, like simple things, you know, I mean, just goofy things, but not, nothing serious like she was saying. Yeah, you know, and it when she was talking about the image of the frog in the boiling water and how like it sits there and it doesn't realize that it's getting hotter until it's like dead. I think about that and I think about kind of my past experiences is sometimes you just get immune to what is happening and you think it's normal. Uh, have you experienced that in the past, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've all been, well, at least I've been, you've been, a lot of people have been in some some form of toxic relationship. I mean, they're not all identical. There's different forms of, of toxic relationships. It could be verbal. It could be physically actually abusive where you are getting beat up physically. But a lot of the times it's a lot of emotional stress, a lot of uh, – you know, calling you not worth anything, you're pathetic. Right. Um, just, just, just very harsh, harsh things people can say to each other in a relationship. And this is supposed to be the person you love. This is supposed to be the person you're with, and they treat you like that. It's, it's not fair. And I, and I do. It, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month this month in October, and I think that everybody should really think about that, those things, and really appreciate the person they're with because it is a team. And you did choose to be with that person. Um, it wasn't like you were just picked. Is this, this isn't like uh, some word country where they pick your bride. You know, we actually. Yeah, well, we there are arranged marriages in the United States. Get shut up! Get at it. No, there's not. Is there hundred percent? Hundred percent. No yeah. way. What I know several people in in our town. There are some cultures that that is still preferred. But you know, all of this to say that. 
toxic relationships aren't just exclusive to romantic relationships. There could be with siblings or with parents, and they show up in all forms. And we hope that this interview has helped to build awareness. And, you know, one of the things that I've been reflecting on, Chris, through this interview and hearing about like the signs of a toxic relationship is, you know, I know that sometimes we bicker a little bit and you have differences of opinion, but you've never said um, anything hurtful to me. And even when I get mad and fly off the handle, um, you, even if you get angry, you don't say offensive things to me and you don't make it personal. And that's a new experience for me. And I'm very grateful that you're helping me to learn how to function better in our relationship. Well, you are very, very welcome, babe. And on that note, we should probably get out of here because we have a lot of stuff to do and you got to get yeah. going because you got to hurry and pack so you can come on down here and see me. I know. I love you so much. I miss you so I miss you more. I said I love you, and you said you miss me. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm taking it up a notch. I oh, love you, thank too, you. and I miss you, too, and I miss you more, as I'm trying to say. So I hope you get down here as soon as possible so I can see you. Yes, gosh, thank you. And gosh. thanks, everybody, for listening this week. We hope that this helped you learn something new. And please feel free to reach out to us if you would like support and resources to help you figure out how to get out of a toxic relationship. And we will see you all back here next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week... Keep moving forward.